Welcome to the Future Design Academy podcast, which is all about how to find and do the work you love. Hosted by Rachel Sparks, master career navigator, author, and international HR executive. This show is where you will learn how to deliberately design your career and ultimately be your best self and do your best work. Hello, this is Rachel Sparks, your Career Navigator. Welcome to the Career Navigator Coaching. This is Lesson 11. We are up to mastering your interviews. This is probably my absolute favorite, favorite, favorite lesson. So strap in and um, really have a pen and paper ready to go for this lesson and make sure you replay it from time to time, especially if you're about to go for an interview. So just to recap, we're in the promotion section. So what we're wanting you to do is really get the confidence. We want you to feel uh, super confident when you go in for an interview. So when it comes to interviews, there's a whole bunch of different types of interviews. You've got your phone interview where you're just talking to somebody on the phone. You've got video interviews. So there's Skype interviews. There's also uh, different video platforms that people can use where you're not actually talking to somebody live, but they kind of record you and your answers in an environment where you can uh, replay your videos back to them. Then you've got your classic face-to-face interviews. They could be with one person, with two or three people. Then you've got your panel interviews, which are slightly different. Panel interviews mean they're really formal. So normally um, universities have panel interviews where there's four or five people and you kind of walk in to a very structured formal environment and you need to be prepared for those types of interviews in a particular way. And then when you're in the interview themselves, there's generally two parts of the interview. There's your technical skills or your abilities or your the stuff that you can do. Uh, and then there's your behavioral interview questions, which are your attitudes, your behaviors, you know, how you approach things and how you behave literally in the work environment. Uh, what we're also going to be talking about in this lesson is how to prepare for the interview. So the most important thing is just walking in there and flying by the seat of your pants. Preparation is absolutely key and I'm going to give you all these tricks and all these hacks so that you can walk into an interview and your brain is ready to go with any question that they throw at you. And then I'm going to give you a follow-up script that you can send on an email or a script that you can use when you're making a phone call to really stand out from the crowd and solidify why you're the best person for that role. So moving on, again, why it's important to master your interviewing is because really you don't interview very often. You might interview once every two years maybe. Uh, If you're networking often, you might be meeting a person once every two weeks or three weeks but that's not really an interview an interview where that's that high pressure environment is really like nothing else you are absolutely in a high pressure high nerves high anxiety environment so you want to be able to remove all of the noise in your brain that gets the nervousness reduced you're not going to never feel nervous in an interview but you want to be able to be um, in, a, in a state of reduced nervousness because when you're nervous you're not your best self and you're not able to communicate in the best way so the point of mastering your interviews is clear communication of your experience and value why interviews exist is to gain evidence that you have 
the experience of either the skill that they're looking for or that you behave in a particular way. So the key word to that is evidence. And the only way that you can provide evidence is really to communicate that mainly verbally in an interview. You might be able to show some evidence in maybe a portfolio or you might take in reports and things like that. But in an interview, really 99% of your evidence provided is going to be communicated via verbal communication. Um, and don't forget, the other thing why you want to master your interviews is because you don't want to be sitting there thinking, I'm so nervous, I just want them to like me, I just want them to um, think that I've done a good job in this interview, that you forget to assess whether or not that company, that that culture, that the people that are sitting across from the table from you are going to be right for you as well. So it actually puts you back in a position of power where you're assessing them as much as they're assessing you. If you haven't got your worker sheet printed out yet, please pause the video and do that now because I really want you to do this work as we do the video. The most important thing is prep. Remember what I said, number one is prep. So what you're gonna do is you're gonna have a look at the position description. If you don't have a position description, that is fine. You can use your best educated smart mind to figure out what the top technical skills and behavioral skills are going to be for the interview. So what you do is before you think about anything is you list the top three to seven technical skills that are going to be required for the role that you're about to have an interview for. Whatever it is, there's always going to be about that many. Um, it doesn't matter what you are, whether you're a doctor, a technical expert in IT, a marketing person, an accounts person, there's always three to seven technical things. Now what I mean by technical things is the skills, the computer skills that you have the ability for you to sew somebody's hand back on, <laughs> the ability for you to do a really specific thing inside taxation law. Whatever it is, it's your technical ability to do the stuff that you're educated um, and that your experience enables you to do. Then what I want you to do with those three to seven things is divide it into essential skills, and that'll be maybe the first one to three, and then there's going to be those nice-to-have skills. So, you know, imagine that people in this role, they don't really need to have it, but it would be nice to have. So list those things out first. The second part, uh, or on a second piece of paper, I want you to then list out potential ideal behaviours for this role. So imagine if you were the team leader or the manager or the owner of this business, how would you want this person to behave? So there are commonly asked behavioural questions for universally, like being able to manage conflict with customers if you're in a customer-facing role, or being able to prioritise tasks if you're juggling multiple projects at once or being able to negotiate if you're in a sales role or an internal sort of uh, stakeholder management role. So there are universal behavioral skills. So you just want to be picking the, again, sort of three to seven behavioral skills that are going to be required for your role. I have attached a cheat sheet downloadable with kind of those universal common behavioral questions so maybe take a scan of those and think about the ones that would apply to you and to this role because what we're going to be doing is reverse engineering your questions so you can be prepared for your interview so when you've done that pause the video and do it now when you've done that then we're going to go on to step two
Okay, now, before we do step two, I just want to say a little thing about the STAR approach. Most of you, if you've done any work in a professional career, have done some sort of interview training with the STAR approach. STAR stands for Situation, Time, Action, and Response. Now, it sucks. It's confusing. You can't remember whether you're a star, whether you're talking about a task, where you're at. The reason why it sucks is because there's four steps. And the brain is only really wired in a high-pressure situation to remember three things at once. So what I want you to do is just forget everything about you've ever learned about the STAR approach because it sucks. And I'm going to teach you something that's way, 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 way easier. And don't worry about the STAR approach from now on. Thank you. You're welcome. I can hear everybody cheering. <laughs> okay, so step two is what I'm calling the story approach. So everybody right now, I want you to think of your favorite story. Yours might be God Locks and the Three Bears or Cinderella or the Twilight series or Fifty Shades of Grey, whatever floats your boat. I want you to think about the elements of a story. And there are three parts to every story. There's a beginning, a middle and an end. Every story starts in the beginning with once upon a time. So when you're answering a question inside an interview, whether it's a technical question or whether it's a behavioral question, you start with the beginning. So what I suggest is you get used to saying this one time I. Now the reason why we want to start with the beginning and why we want to start with that sentence is because we want to start getting used to talking about something that you've done in the past. The biggest mistake I found in interviewing 10,000 or so people is they don't talk about things that they've done in the past. So remember what I said about the point of an interview is to gain evidence of skills or behaviors that you've had in the past. If you start telling me about things you would hypothetically do now, you're not giving me evidence that you have done that particular thing in the past. That is the number one thing I can tell you is tell them a story from your past. Talk in past tense. That is absolutely key. If you don't do anything else but do that, your interviewing uh, ability will go through the roof by about 90%. Okay, so how to talk in the past is, to, again, to use this story approach. So we start in the beginning. This one time, I. The power of that sentence is you can't talk about something you're about to do or that you're doing in the present. You have to talk about something in the past. So we start with this one time I. Now there's three parts to a beginning. It's all about setting the scene. So the first part is explaining to the person what the scene was. So you're meeting this person probably for the first time. Now they have no idea about anything about you. They don't know where you've come from or what company you used to work for. They don't know how big the company was or the size or where it was or where you were living or what project you were working on. So what you want to do is you want to walk them through all of those details really quickly. Now this has an, a, a great picture building effect in their brain and what it does is it really anchors into them where you are and they can actually see you as part of that story. So let's say for example I, I'm telling them a story about you know there was this one time that I used to work for Hudson you know they're a, a huge American organization of offices all throughout the world my role was working as the IT uh, specialist for banking and finance in Melbourne. I was working on a huge project rolling out 50 um, network engineers for the ANZ Bank. 
Okay, so the next part is introducing the characters. So potentially, depending on the question that they've asked you, you want to then talk about, okay, you know, what teammates you're working with, you know, what boss you had, what stakeholders you had. So it just, again, sets the scene about what was going on at the time. So we're going to use an example of um, a difficult stakeholder that um, you might have worked with in the past. So then at the introduce the villain part, then that's the problem. That's the difficult stakeholder or whatever it is. So in my situation, I could say, so there was a particular stakeholder on side of ANZ who was, who was, who I was told was not um, known for her ability to communicate well with recruiters. She just didn't like recruiters. So that's my whole thing. I set the scene. I'm working at Hudson. I'm working in Melbourne. I'm in the IT team, large ANZ project. I've got five people in my team and there was a difficult stakeholder ANZ who hated recruiters. Really quick, that's how it works. So then you move to the, the middle and the middle is basically what you did to overcome the problem, to, to slay, the, slay the dragon, so to say. So the middle part is set by, you anchor yourself by a statement that says, so what I first did was. So the power of this process is you walk through what you did step by step. So what I first did was, and then I, and then I, and finally. So you might only have two steps, you might have seven steps, you might have six steps, but when you're writing down your, your um, uh, example, you, you will know what you actually did. And when you're speaking it out in an interview, you can remember what it is in your brain. So with this particular woman, what I first did was spoke to previous account managers of this particular ANZ account and got an understanding of literally what went wrong in the past. So I had complete history. I, I just knew where Hudson had, had fallen short for her. I also got an understanding of where Hudson had done well. Then I arranged a face-to-face -face meeting with her outside of delivery. So not in a sort of high-stress environment, so outside of delivery. So I could go and talk to her and so she could meet me. Then inside that meeting, I admitted fault to Hudson in the past and identified what I believe was the reason why those things went wrong. And then I identified the reasons why I believe those problems were no longer going to happen because I was now the account manager. And finally, when we were working together, I put in place a particular reporting structure and a particular communication structure that she was happy with to ensure that there were no problems. So see how I did that? First I did what I did was this, and then I did this, and then I did this, and finally I did this. And I, I've walked them through how I managed that stakeholder. And then the end part is the end of your story, and how you anchor your saying is the outcome of what I did solved the problem of the unhappy stakeholder who hated recruiters and any angst amongst the team. But what it also did is we actually ended up getting 50% more roles filled. We also ended up getting introduced to other areas of ANZ. We also, also ended up, you know, creating not just a great relationship with this person, but it opened up other opportunities in the business because of the way I handled this account. So do you see what I did there? I said, it not only resolved the problem of the villain, problem, whatever it was, but it also created these other further benefits to the team, company, profit, savings, efficiency, or culture. So the hero moment 
is about not just solving that one particular thing. It's always about something bigger. And if you can link, link that moment to further benefits to the company, then you nail it. That's how you nail every single question and you do it every single time and you'll nail your interview. Reverse engineering those answers. So for the technical skills, you've got the 37 skills. You write down the best example that you can think of. What you actually do is you sit down with each of, I'm just going to go back to this. You sit down with each of those technical skills that you've identified and each of those behavioral skills that you've identified. And there might be 14 or 20 different things. And you write out a beginning, a middle, and an end for every single one. Because what you then have is a really uh, fast way. You'll find that you don't need more than two or three sentences for each thing. And you have, find you have a really fast way of going, oh my goodness, I, I do have examples outside of the interview where I can think of when I can best demonstrate the evidence of that experience or skill. And then you kind of have um, a, a, a time to sit there with your partner or a friend or a colleague and practice. So you say, ask me about this skill ask me about this behavior and then you practice saying it out loud or you can even practice it into your iPhone or anything and video yourself speaking it out loud and every single time you video it you you scale yourself out of 10 how did I feel about how I said that or ask the person out of 10 how would you rate me that I've provided the evidence that I have that particular experience. And you just want to see that you're progressing more and more every time, that you feel comfortable, that you can tell the story. Did you believe me? Did you believe me? Did you believe me? And that's how you get better and better at answering the interview questions. So you might write down something, you go, you know what, there's something better. It's just spend two or three, five, ten minutes thinking about, is the best example in my last role? or is the best example from two or three years ago. I would try and keep all the skills and behavioral examples in the last five years. Going further back than that starts to get a bit dodgy as far as mm, how do we validate that experience. And also try and think about things that your referees are going to be also um, validating in a reference check. And remember, like I said, keep it in the past. That is going to be key. Now write out those scripts and then basically you've got your hero story for each interview, possible interview question. Now of course you might be asked something completely left field, but if you get used to answering everything in beginning, middle and an end, beginning, middle and an end, you will pretty much be able to be flexible inside an interview to answer any question. Thank you for listening to the Future Design Academy podcast. We believe that everyone can design a career that aligns to their unique passions and talents and find the courage to take that path. We hope that you have enjoyed the show and will take action to apply something learned today so that you too can find and do the work you love. Don't forget to subscribe for more inspiring and practical episodes from Rachel and the Future Design Academy. If you are interested in working with Rachel to be your best self and do your best work and are ready to design the career you really want, then please head to www.futuredesignacademy.com and check out her online and group coaching programs today.